What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. So like, let's say you're pregnant. That's why you're listening to the Birth Story podcast and you're preparing for a hospital birth that's upcoming. And of course, this podcast gives you tons of free information, right? But like, do you really understand the stages of labor? How to know when you're in labor? What if you have to have an induction? What about a cesarean section? What about all of the decisions that you have to make once you get to the hospital? So you get there and then they put you in triage. Birth Story Academy walks you through all the things that happen, like that rapid fire with like monitoring and blood work and questions and IV ports and do you want an epidural? I don't know. Do you? In Birth Story Academy, we literally break down all of those decisions Pros, cons, risks, benefits, intuition. And like we get into it. We make birth plans. We do birth visions. We listen to birth affirmations and parenting affirmations. And at the end of it, like you know exactly what's going to happen when you go into labor and when you get to the hospital. What's going to happen after you give birth? Newborn care preferences. How to take care of your baby. So I guess what I'm getting at is... If you're not in Birth Story Academy, what's your plan, right? Like, I want to be your teacher. I want you to come join me in Birth Story Academy and let me walk you through all of the decisions that you have to make if you're having a hospital birth and how to have body autonomy and how to have informed consent and informed refusal. I'm going to teach you and your partner, if you have one, everything that you need to know about birthing in a hospital so that you can walk in that door with some swagger, with some confidence, like wash that anxiety away because you learned everything you needed to learn in Birth Story Academy and you are ready to crush that birth, right? Okay, let's do it. And let's get to this episode. Hey, Katie, welcome to the Birth Story Podcast. I'm so happy to be here. I am so happy. You know, I was you guys that are listening, I was actually just looking at Katie's page and I didn't realize that you had such a large following on (laughs) Instagram. I just, somehow you ended up in my feed. I'm sure a a friend or a client tagged you and said, you should really follow Katie. And so I did. And then I was preparing for this interview and I was like, wow, you have quite a large following. So, Katie, tell us all the things. Who are you? Where do you live? Tell us about your business. 
Thank you, Heidi. I know that was funny. You're like, wait, what? Um, but my name is Katie Fassett. I live in Parker's Prairie, Minnesota. It's a town of a thousand people. So, you know, it's a it's a pretty big city around here. I've always lived in Minnesota. I'm married to my husband, Scott Fassett, and he is a financial advisor. We've been married for almost seven years now. Um, and what I do for work, I should have said I have three kids, which is why we're here. So I'll, you know, be sharing those birth stories. I'm a all boys, a five-year-old, three-year-old, and a one-year-old boy. So they're all, you know, two years apart and it's just kind of been a lot of craziness. I'll, I'll share more on that. Uh, and then what I do for work is I am an online health and wellness coach. And so I lead monthly accountability groups for moms, just like me in the thick of, you know, baby, baby having season. And so there are the moms that are busy and they don't have time and they can't get to the gym. And so, um, I partner with a company called body. Now they're changing their name to body. And so we do these online workouts together and I host morning accountability calls so that moms have encouragement to get out of bed and get started. Cause that's really, I'll share more about that. But once I just started taking back my time and taking care of my body, it just, it changed everything for me with motherhood and, and I'll share more about my first pregnancy, but that was really hard. And so that kind of is what spurred me to become a wellness coach. And then what made my following grow is my humor. <laughs> I've always just been a very outgoing kind of crazy lady. And I never really knew how to fit that into my coaching business. But then once reels came out, I just started having fun with the, with the silly audios and just really letting my personality shine. And that's when my account just really started to grow. So that's just a little bit about me. I don't know what else you want to know, but oh. in a nutshell, there we are. <laughs> I love it. You have the cutest accent from Minnesota. Oh, I'm like, I think it's like absolutely adorable. And I really love the mompreneur stories. So my listeners know I have a master's in business, but I'm a birth worker. And sometimes those things are like this weird dichotomy of like, how do they work together? I really love yes. hearing how parents follow passions and kind of juggle both. So we'll dig into a little bit about how you got into body and how you are yep. really working um, online, like through raising three boys. So there's a thousand people. How did you mean? Yes. That? So, um, so I didn't grow up in Parker's. I grew up in an even smaller town with 400 people. Um, and how I, <laughs> I know plot twist. Um, and how I met Scott was we went to the same college. So we met at a very small Lutheran school called Bethany Lutheran College in Mankato, Minnesota. And, and my dad is a pastor. He's a Lutheran pastor. <laughs> and now my husband is actually going to go and become a pastor. So another plot twist. So it's all coming back around full circle. That's kind of the big life change that's happening now. But he was a senior and I was a sophomore and we met each other in the omelet line in the cafeteria. And he, he made a comment to me, like, have you seen a lot of like cute freshman boys? And I was like, what? I'm a sophomore. I was like, I'm way too old for that. And I was kind of offended that he thought I was a freshman, but now he said, I said that to see if you had a boyfriend. <laughs> so, and that's, I know I was like, that was very smooth. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so then we just kept chatting. He added me on Facebook and we chatted on Facebook and then we saw each other every single day, my entire sophomore year. And then he proposed to me my junior year and we got married the same week that I graduated college. <laughs> wow. And you guys have been married for seven years. Yep. So was he from an equally small town? Um, so, yeah, I mean, 
to me, it's big, but to regular people, they're like, that's small. He grew up in Alexandria, Minnesota, which is like 16,000. <laughs> well, and it's giant compared to 400. <laughs> yes. Yeah. To me, I'm like, whoa, like he's like, I like graduated with the class of like 300 people. And I'm like, that is so big. Like my class was 20 kids. <laughs> And now the whole state of Minnesota is following you on Instagram, you know? Yes. Yes. That's just so funny. I know. And that's what people say to me, like, oh, I bet everyone recognizes you. And I'm like, we live in a super small town. Like nobody, like we just live our normal life. Yeah. No one's probably, (laughs) no one else in your spontan is probably on Instagram. I know. Yeah. No, a few of them are. Yeah. Yeah. During work. Well, we're going to get into your birth stories, Katie, and I'm really excited to have you here. And I know that the birth of one of your children kind of helped launch into the career that you have and the business that you have built online. So let's start with your oldest boy, who's now five, right? What's his name? Okay. Yep. His name is Otto. Okay. Otto. Ooh, what a cute name. Yeah. So, so Otto. So tell me about Otto. Was Otto a planned pregnancy? So yes and no. I think I was just very naive when, when we were first married and, um, and I just was like, I, I, I thought it just would take a lot longer for a person to get pregnant. I mean, I knew how it worked, but I didn't know exactly how it would work with me. And yeah. so, um, we got married, you know, in December, end of December. And then it was May that I found out that I was pregnant. And so it, it just seemed kind of to happen fast, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and, and yeah, so it was sort of, sort of planned, sort of not. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I tell you, we were still surprised. (laughs) So surprised. I have so I'm set on so many interviews as like people trying looking for a doula and they like come from both ends of the spectrum. They're like, we've been trying for five years and we've done IVF and office fertility. And then they're like, we're scared because we didn't think we would get pregnant that fast. Yes. Oh yeah. I know. Yeah. Ready. And we don't know what to do, you know? So it took you by surprise. All right. So I know that with Otto, you had an epidural and then you had unmedicated birds with the other two. So today Mm -hmm. we're going to really kind of talk about the differences and like what led and or fed into that mindset or the types of labors that you had, whether it was a choice or not, I don't even know. Um, And so (laughs) let's talk about, you know, preparing for Otto's birth. How did your pregnancy go and kind of what were you envisioning? Um, So my pregnancy was during one of the most stressful seasons of my life. Um, I don't know if any of the listeners can relate to this, but I just really had motherhood and being a wife on a pedestal. And I thought that it would basically solve all my problems. Like once I'm a wife and a mom, everything will come easy for me. It'll just all work out. Like that's when I just like reached the epitome of what my life will be <laughs> that all, all I knew that I wanted to be was a wife and a mom. I went to school for business, but I didn't even really care. I just wanted to find a husband. <laughs> and so, so when I, you know, became a wife and, and, you know, marriage is hard if anyone out there is married and it's not awesome every day. So in that year of pregnancy and newly married, my husband changed jobs. We moved, we bought a house for the first time. I had like three different jobs that I was doing and I just really, you know, stuffed my feelings with food. I just ate a lot during that pregnancy. And, you know, people are like, oh, you're eating for two. I ate for 
like a whole football team. Like I just kept eating and eating and eating and just felt like as soon as I stop eating, I'm going to remember that I'm in a strange town where I don't know anyone. And I just feel really lost in this season of life. I went from living in a dorm room with a bunch of my friends, seeing them all the time to being married in a new place, pregnant. And I thought that I thought that I would know what I was doing at this point in my life, but I was a 21 year old, <laughs> didn't really know what I was doing at all. Um, Did you so, have so, ordered eating any other time in your life, like in high yes. school or anything? Yeah, yeah. And I've been able to um, overcome that um, with, with what I do now for work, but I really struggled my junior year with just weight gain. I didn't get my period till I think I was a sophomore, which compared to my friends, they all had it way sooner. It seemed like I was like the last of my friends to, to get my period. And so I always felt like I was just experiencing things way later than everybody else. Like I just gained a lot of weight and just had a lot of hormone fluctuations, got way more acne later on when my friends had gotten it earlier and were able to like figure that out. So, um, so my junior year, I struggled with just gaining a ton and being heavier than I ever had been. And then my senior year, I struggled with just not eating enough. And I just wouldn't eat at all to try to lose weight and be skinny. And then, and then once I went to college, I was so stressed out with my class load and I just would eat my feelings. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so it just kind of came back with pregnancy. It just all came back. And mm-hmm. I just fed my feelings with food. I was constantly like, Scott, can we go out to eat? Can we go get ice cream? I know we just had a whole pizza, but can we go get French fries? Like I just, I don't know. It was like the insatiable need to feel something. I don't know. It was just, and I gained about 70 pounds with that pregnancy because of that. Yeah. I want to simmer with you right there, Katie, because I really appreciate your vulnerability. I have a long history of disordered eating Mm. and right at the pinnacle of health for me mm-hmm. where I was at my healthiest, but I was also at my loneliest, right? Like, so yeah. I, like I had that desire that you had, I just wanted to get married. I just wanted to be yep. a mom and Katie, for me, time was ticking. Okay. I was 34 mm-hmm. when I met my husband. So I felt okay. like life had ended, right? I was like, yep. I've already missed it. Life has ended. So I really focused on myself and my health and I had mm-hmm. played soccer internationally and I was a marath- half marathon runner, but I was a long distance runner and I was a soccer player and I was at this peak of health. And then I meet my husband and fall in love. Mm-hmm. And Katie, I also gained 70 pounds on the dot. Wow. I haven't heard a lot of other people who've gained that much during pregnancy. <laughs> oh, I mean, you're talking and I was about to start crying because I was like, Aww. I don't know even where we're going with this conversation, but I am right yeah. there feeling that how that can happen. And so I know other people listening are struggling with mm-hmm. that too. Mm-hmm. And then you go in for your appointments and there were, I don't know how you were, but I was really getting shamed for the weight gain. Like, oh, I was so embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So tell me a little bit more about that pregnancy. Like, were you moving your body and staying healthy in other ways? Um, I was really stressed out about like hurting the baby. I thought like, if I work out too much, I'm going to mess up this baby. I had a lot of anxiety about that. And my sister had given me 
they had recently had babies. And so she gave me this like pregnancy DVD. And I remember trying to do five minutes of it. And I was like, I'm too tired. This is too much. This is, and it felt really worthless. Like, I'm just going to keep getting fatter. Why do I even care? So I did go on walks and I, I had this just like thought of like, you're young, it'll all work out. And my mom had seven kids and she's a very trim petite lady. And so I was just like, oh, I'll just get my mom jeans. I'll just be just like her. And you know, (laughs) it didn't really work that way for me. So, so yeah, I guess the answer is no, (laughs) I was not. (laughs) I, you know, all of that. I mean, I, I feel like I went into my, my pregnancy and my birth, like couldn't be more educated, right? Like I had been a doula for a really long time. I'm nine years at that point. Like, Mm -hmm. and it just kind of can consume you like the overwhelming emotions of like, Mm -hmm. who am I? Like, I really, really wanted to be a wife and a mom. And now I'm a wife and I'm pregnant and like, who am I, you know? Yep. And so, and I think lots of people take that type of anxiety, unknowingness in different ways. Right. And so I'm so glad that you're being vulnerable so we can have this discussion. Um, if you're in that season and you're listening, what I will tell you and what Katie will tell you is that we have, we have healthy boys. They're here. Mm -hmm. They're healthy. Um, so I want to tell the birth story, but then I want to talk a little bit about the, that postpartum journey then. Oh girl, you know, I know you you can feel it. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And which is why I am so just passionate about this season. No, I just like, I feel the story building and I, it's like, I know nothing. And I, now I can sort of feel where we're, where it's going. So your pregnancy goes by, do you have any complications like gestational diabetes, hypertension, any medical concerns that you were being followed for? So besides the weight gain, my doctor wasn't really too concerned about it. Cause she's like, you're young. And you're like, cause I, it did like, if you looked at me, you were like, wow, she's pregnant, but you would never be like, wow, she's gained 70 pounds, you know? So other, I was able to, I don't know. It just didn't look as in as much as it was. I don't know. Yeah. But the one thing that just kind of got tripped up during that pregnancy was we had moved. So I had seen a doctor for my first appointment, but then the rest of them were with this other OB. And what we think happened now, looking back, was that they just got the dates mixed up for what the due date actually was. So when they did the ultrasounds, they said this baby is way too small. And so, or not like way too small. Maybe that was like too strong of language, but this baby is not measuring where it needs to be. So after 20 weeks pregnant, I was going in for more ultrasounds to make sure that baby was growing at a healthy rate. And that also freaked me out, which is another reason why I ate so much food because I thought I got to drink some milk. I got to start stuffing my face. I got to start growing this baby, which now looking back, I'm like, Katie, that did absolutely nothing, but just make you feel like, (laughs) and I had horrible heartburn And, and I, yeah, there was just so many things going on with that pregnancy, but it was like the only thing that had them concerned was just that he was, um, smaller measuring smaller. And isn't that so interesting too, because it's like, why you feel like I have had so many clients that will say, well, like I almost could justify it. if The baby was a little bit, the big, you know, it's like, Um, and it's hard, you know, when like mm-hmm. I've gained 70 pounds and then a five pound, two ounce baby yep. comes out, you know, yes, it's embarrassing. It feels, 
there's so many emotions, complicated Mm -hmm. emotions to weight gain Mm -hmm. in pregnancy and the way that our medical community handles it can just be really insensitive. I think sometimes. So Katie, how is Scott doing through your pregnancy? Like you're newlyweds and it sounds like you're going through a lot emotionally and physically. How was the pregnancy for Scott? Um, let's just say it's a miracle. We're still together (laughs) by the grace of God. We are here today. I was so emotional, um, volatile. I took all my frustrations out on my husband, just like, I mean, you know, every pregnant woman probably has those moments of like, wow. Like you're like, you're kind of acting crazy and you feel that you're acting crazy, but you can't stop it. You're just like, I'm just going to keep going on this roll. <laughs> so we, you know, that was tough. Um, but Scott, he is always just, you know, he's just a really good guy. And so he was supportive in that, but I would not say that that was a season of our life that we were thriving in, in marital newlywed bliss. We definitely went right from the honeymoon stage to, you know, cranky bickering at everything stage pretty quick that first year. Yeah. It's a lot of people's stories. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you spoke honestly about that because everything changes for us to transform into parents. Mm -hmm. We literally both have to let go of who we were, who we used to be. And then especially if you're newlyweds, not only are you trying to build a marriage, you're trying to build a marriage as two totally different people. It is very difficult. Do you have any advice for couples that are, you know, newlyweds and going straight into parenthood? I think my biggest advice would just be to remember that this is a stressful time in your life. And that first baby is a lot of change and you will get through it. Like Scott and I, we have an awesome marriage now, you know, and it's just like, he is my best friend and he is the best dad. And every pregnancy after that was just so much better. And I was just kind of, I was struggling with a lot of things on my end. I was struggling with, I wanted this. Why do I feel like I don't want this now? You know, like, and I had a lot of guilt, like I should just be thankful and grateful that I have a husband and that I'm going to have a baby when some people try months to have a baby. But now I'm just feeling like, crap, what did I get myself into? This is a lot. This is too much. And so I just kind of took that out on Scott. But if you are someone who, you know, you got married and all of a sudden here you are with a baby, just know that it will get better. That would be my advice. And, and that you're not, you know, this isn't, this isn't the rest of your life that you're going to feel this way. This is just a very minute, stressful time in your life. And, and you're going to get through it. It is just a season. Yes. Just a season. Such a great mantra to keep you going. Now, I know you had a lot going on, like mentally and physically. Were Mm -hmm. you preparing or educating yourself for labor, for birth, for breastfeeding, for postpartum? Did you do anything to prepare? Um, You know, I uh, talked to my sisters, (laughs) which they were no help at all. (laughs) I remember after I had a baby, I was like, 
what is wrong with you? Why didn't you tell me this? Like, I was just like, you, and they're like, oh, sorry, we didn't know you wanted all the details. I'm like, yes, that could have been helpful. Um, but I did go to a breastfeeding class because I knew I wanted to breastfeed, but I didn't do a birthing class or anything like that. We just did. Actually, our one year anniversary was the breastfeeding class. We went to a breastfeeding class. I'm like, wow. Here we are, <laughs> one year of marriage. And I w- that was in December. And then we had Otto the beginning of February. I did not do much education at all. I just thought that it would all come naturally to me. So, um, you know, I can laugh at that now, but, um, <laughs> but well, there, is a, there is a component to innate wisdom, but yeah. I would say that the thinking that goes along with innate wisdom would be like also not birthing in a hospital, right? Like, yes. You know, like you can be, in my experience, like pretty naive about birth and believe in your body's innate wisdom, but like you got to steer clear out of a hospital. If you're going into a hospital, there's a lot we need to know about. Yes. And I didn't know any of it. I didn't know any of it. And I was not prepared for any of it. I just thought you get the epidural and everything's going to work out. That was my, that was my birth plan. Okay. So you have to go into labor for that to happen though. So your dates were wrong. Did you end up going into spontaneous labor or were you induced? Spontaneous. Okay. It was very spontaneous. It was Super Bowl Sunday. I was 40 weeks. (laughs) Yeah. 40 weeks and five days. Okay. And I was very pregnant and big and tired. I just remember we were watching the game. I was laying on my left side on the couch. And all of a sudden I just felt this like shooting pain through my hip stomach area. I, I didn't even know. I was like, Oh, weird. That was weird. Like, I just thought it was just kind of like a cramp type thing. And <laughs> then I was like, Scott, I don't know, but I just kind of keep getting this, like, just jolt. <laughs> this is jolt is how I could explain it. And I was like, I feel that I am going to go into labor. And, um, and we did have an induction date for at like 41 weeks, I think. Um, so I was getting like closer to that. Two days later. <laughs> yes, yes. And so like, I knew that there was an end in sight, but my mom also went over with her babies. And so I had like told my OB that, so she kind of, you know, and, and everything was looking fine. Um, so anyways, I said, okay, I'm just going to get ready for bed and let's just try to get one more night of good sleep before this baby comes. So I washed off all my makeup. And if you know me, you will never see me without makeup on. I am a makeup girl. Okay. okay. Um, so I wash off all my makeup and I go to bed and all of a sudden, not even five minutes later, I'm like, Scott, we are going to the hospital right now. I'm like, this is so painful. I can't. Cause they just started getting way more intense, way closer. And the thing I was the most mad about was that I didn't have makeup on and I just had washed it all off, but I was so much in pain that I didn't even have time to go put makeup back on. I'd be like, and bring so- my makeup bag. I can get it after I get my epidural put it back on. Yes. Yes. And so anyway, so I, you know, grabbed the, grabbed all my stuff and we hopped in the car, you know, we only this, we didn't have any kids yet. So this was our first one. So we hopped in the car, drove so fast to the hospital. I just remember being like, this is insane. And I called my brother, my oldest brother, Jake. And I said, Hey, we're on the way to the hospital. Just wanted to ask, will you be the godparent for, (laughs) for this baby? And so he was like, yeah. Um, and so then we just, you know, kept on driving and got to the hospital. Um, 
came upstairs and then, and then they, you know, checked me for dilation. And I think I was three, okay. <laughs> three centimeters dilated. Um, and that's labor. I mean, yep. It, yes. And so they kept me there and I was having very consistent contractions and it was so painful. It was so painful. And I just was really not pre- prepared for that. And I just, the, it was just so shocking, <laughs> the pain. Um, and then, and then soon I got an epidural and the epidural was great. It was totally fine. The only thing is that it worked really well on me, worked really well. So I had, I couldn't even move my legs at all. I, I felt absolutely anything. nothing. Okay. I felt absolutely nothing. And I remember them saying, push when you feel a contraction. And I said, what does that feel like? I don't even, I don't feel it anymore. So they had a nurse holding my stomach to tell me when I was having a contraction because I couldn't even feel it. Like wait, um, so she could palpate on top and feel when the uterus yep, turned into yep. a, a hard, you know, yep. basketball essentially. And then it releases. And so, then, it, yes. So, so I, cause was, I couldn't. So she was saying, okay, here's, here's a contraction. Go ahead and push. Yep. But what I didn't know is that you stop pushing. So they, you know, they would say push, but they wouldn't say, okay, you can stop pushing. So I would just like be pushing as hard as I possibly could. And I tore so bad (laughs) because I was just like, okay, I'll push. And I felt nothing. I felt absolutely nothing. Oh my gosh. Okay. So a lot there, Katie. Okay. Yeah. So first, I just want to give the listeners a couple of things. Active labor is Mm -hmm. when you are six to 10 centimeters and Mm -hmm. your contractions are two to three minutes apart, lasting 60 to 90 seconds. So that's what we call active labor. But labor earlier when I was like, well, you were in labor at three centimeters. Mm -hmm. Labor is when we're consistently contracting. And maybe those are five or six minutes apart or three to five minutes apart, but they're really strong and they're making cervical change like you had at three Mm -hmm. centimeters. I am dying to know if you can remember the timeline from like what time at like, I have no idea what time Super Bowl was five years ago, but like what time was Super Bowl? And then like, what time did you get to the hospital? And then what time did you give birth? I had him around eight o'clock in the morning. Eight in the morning. Okay. So- so you weren't in labor for very long. No, nope, I was not in labor long at all. I, I didn't, I pushed maybe for 30 minutes. That was the longest I pushed. Okay. Wow. So the average pushing time for someone who's epiduralized as in has an epidural is one to four hours. So you mm-hmm. were really ahead of the curve there Yes. Um, with 30 minutes. And then I'm imagining Super Bowl was like in the evening, like let's say six or 7 PM. Yes. Yes. It was late. Um, I remember going into bed. Like I think the game was wrapping up around nine 30. So okay. we were in bed by 10. Okay. Um, wow. That's so. very fast. Okay. So yep. the average gestation is 41 and one. So you were right there mm-hmm. at 40 and five. You were yep. like very close to it. And then the average length of labor for a first time birthing person is 24 hours. So the fact that yeah. you had a less than 12 hour, listen, I don't know where we're going with story two and three, but the fact yep. that you had less than a 12 hour labor tells me like, if you were my client, I would be like, Katie, you need to get a move on it on number two and three, because yes, that's why yeah. one, <laughs> 12, that was, you know, the second yes. and third may go a little quicker. 
Um, so yeah, that was pretty fast. Overall, how did you feel like your birth experience was? Um, well, like I said, I just, I was so, I, I just wasn't educated. You know, I feel like that's, that's, you know, thrown around a lot. Like I need to educate myself, but like, I really wasn't. And I just, I didn't even ask questions. I just kind of went into it thinking the epidural would solve everything. And my after baby experience was really bad. I felt horrible. My downstairs was in so much pain. I couldn't even sit down. I tore so bad or, okay. I shouldn't say so bad. Cause I know that there's like degrees of tearing. Um, but I did have stitches and it just burned. It just burned every time I went to the bathroom. And I just remember standing up to walk and it was just gushes of blood and just feeling like my body was just broken down there. And then I, I just, my stomach was just so, so much, so much weight gain. Like I just, and I was so swollen. You look at pictures of me and I didn't have my makeup on. <laughs> so you look at pictures of me after I had auto and it is just this swollen face. And I remember my legs just being so swollen and my hand and just it, that, that was, which honestly is what led me into not wanting an epidural the other time, because I really did not enjoy the postpartum because of that experience of having the epidural and having the catheter. Um, because I don't know if you knew that, but you have a catheter. I did not know that. So when they were like, okay, with an epidural, you need a catheter. I was like, wait, what? No one told me that. Like, I don't know. So there was just so much that I just wasn't even mentally prepared for. And I just was like, oh, okay. I, I guess we're putting a catheter in. Uh, what, ow, what in the world? Like, it just was so, I just felt like a little girl in this hospital. And they're like, here you go. Like, okay, we're just going to do all these things to your body and just hope a baby comes out. Like it just, even though like, I mean, they're just doing their job, but I just had no idea what was happening. Yeah. Oh, hearing your story makes me feel like I know medically you were safe. But yeah. I just know that there is a place to make you emotionally yeah. safe by informing and explaining and asking for consent. And like, when we leave the hospital saying you have a periurethral tear or a perineal tear or a sulcus mm -hmm. tear or a clitoral tear, like there's so many mm -hmm. places that you can uh, you said downstairs, but like, there's so many places that you can tear downstairs to use your, yep. language, you know, yep. <laughs> they don't even share with us what type of tearing, right. Yeah, or, she just said you're, you tore. Right. Yep. Um, things that can help are using a peri bottle or a bidet sits baths, mm -hmm. um, not moving your body for 15 days because of the mm -hmm. placental wound, like when the placenta, which is about the yep. size of a dinner plate comes out, it peels away from the uterine wall and it leaves an opened wound that bleeds. Mm -hmm. And so even if you have a cesarean section, the placenta still peels away, you know, yep. in a C-section and we still bleed. And we just don't talk about that enough, Katie, like preparing, oh. preparing a young new mother for the postpartum mm -hmm. journey. And guess what? We're also asking you to be a wife at the same time. Like yep. that is so much pressure. And I will never forget, like you said, that whole picture of you swollen with IV fluids mm -hmm. from the epidural, mm -hmm. like just no makeup on, like 
there is this photo of me with my first same thing epidural yeah. things and I'm like the you know my face is like Bleh. yes it doesn't oh. even look like you yeah and I like what like once a year I put it next to a famous person that's just given birth I remember when <laughs> Middleton came out and like think yes Middleton still at her bump you know but like yeah. you know and I put them side by side and I'm like what I thought I was gonna look like <laughs> Yes. What I, yep. And what do you do look like? And you said in the earlier in the podcast, you said like you had put becoming a mother and becoming a wife on a pedestal. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well, here you are. And you're now it's, there's an emptiness to the weight gain, right? It just hangs there. It just falls. There's no meaning. It's a fullness, but it's also empty. And then we wake up. And milk is spilling out of our breasts and we're swollen and it's hard to walk and it's hard to pee. And then we're looking at our spouse, like, do you love me? Do you want me? Am I, am I worthy? You Mm -hmm. know, I can feel all of those things. So how did you get through it? Well, I just wanted to make one comment on what you said on the milk coming in. My milk came in so fast. So I was just leaking constantly. My milk came in at like 20 weeks pregnant. I started leaking. And then when I had baby, it was just like, off, off. <laughs> I don't know, like a waterfall of milk. And I remember the doctor for like the baby doctor, he was like, whoa, you can tell your milk came in. And I was so embarrassed by that comment. Like, I think he was trying to be like supportive, but I was so embarrassed because I was leaking <laughs> as we were sitting there. And, you know, you're not wearing a bra or like, Cause you're in this nightgown thing for the, I don't know, but anyways, how did I get through that? That's a very good question, Heidi, because I don't know if I did get through it. Like I just felt I, that was the worst postpartum ever. I was so alone. Survived it. I survived it. Yes. I guess I, you know, I should say that like, and I, and I, you know, I know not everyone listening to this podcast is a believer, but I do, you know, believe that God puts you through things in life so that you can help others who go through a similar season. And so that is a huge mission of mine is just to be there for the moms who have gone through this too. And we were just, you know, in a new house, a new mom. And I just was struggling with all of it. Plus Otto had reflux. And so I remember being really embarrassed because he kept spitting up the breast milk. And the nurse said, like, I think you're feeding him enough making me feel like I'm giving him too much breast milk, which, you know, like, isn't true. Like babies will be done when they're done. And so I felt really embarrassed. Like, here I go. I gained too much weight. I'm producing too much milk, but my baby is small. Like I just felt like I was, he's spitting up all the milk. It's all my fault. I suck at this. This was supposed to be my, my ticket for life. This was supposed to be my most awesome moment ever. And instead I feel so worthless. I feel like I will never be good at this and I already stink and I just became a mom. So those were just kind of my feelings. And I, I know that I had postpartum depression and anxiety, but I never got help for it with my first. So I just struggled that whole year, but I'm here today and I can say it's better now. (laughs) And and I was going to say too, like, 
sometimes the people around us can recognize it and sometimes they can't. Scott's over there like, I don't know what's normal. I don't know if this is how she's supposed to be acting right after she had a baby. Is this how all people act? You know, there is surviving in postpartum and then there is thriving in postpartum and that is Mm -hmm. a possibility. And so I hope we'll talk a little bit about that because I know you've had two two more stories and one of them is one year old. And I can already just tell in the energy that you're in a really good mental space Mm -hmm. and a really good physical space. One piece that I forgot to ask at the end, I'm like, but wait, but how much did he weigh when he came out too? Um, He, he ended up being seven pounds, six ounces. So exactly average. Okay. Yep. So he was totally fine. My OB did say after I had him, she said, your, I think she said the placenta was like deteriorating basically. So she's like, I think that maybe, I don't know. I don't know what was going on with that. She's like, but I think you were like this, you needed to have this baby now. (laughs) Like it was, it was at the end. So it's a calcifications a start oh, okay. at the end. Okay. So it starts to calcify and it kind of gets a graying to it versus that like yep. bright, amazing kind of purpley red mm-hmm. color of like healthy blood, you know? Um, so that's probably just what she was noting is maybe it was a little grayed and a little calcified, yes. which is there's just aged. Um, it's an organ that has an age. It has a life. And guess what? Your body was so smart. It knew exactly yeah. Then to put you into labor, mm-hmm. right? It, it knew when its expiration date was, and it knew when he was safer on the outside than on the inside. Like, yep. and that's how smart our bodies are. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a five, a three and a one. So yep. like, it wasn't a long time, Katie, before you got pregnant again. Yeah. So like, <laughs> let's kind of talk about like there was a 24 month period, presumably between those yep. two. And then, you know, it's a 10 month pregnancy. So we've got just over a year, right? Mm-hmm. From day one of all those feelings that we were just talking about to like 14, 15 months later, whenever it was that you got pregnant mm-hmm. again, like, did things change for you before you got pregnant again, or did you just get pregnant again and then took action on some things in your life? I would say a little bit of both. Um, for me, my, my postpartum, like depression, anxiety is so tied to breastfeeding. I just feel like I'm very hormonal (laughs) while I'm breastfeeding. And I also feel bad for like the listeners who maybe don't have kids yet. I don't want to make you like freak out by all this. Cause your story is probably going to be way different than mine. So anyways, hopefully I'm not like scaring you, but I just, um, when I was done breastfeeding, I felt just so ready for another baby. Like I remember when Otto turned one and I just had worked through a lot and I've always known that I wanted a big family and that I wanted kids close in age. Um, but when I got pregnant, that was kind of like, Whoa, this was fast. So he turned one in February and then I had we found out we were pregnant in March. Okay. So Um, months later. Yep. Um, So I don't know. I just think like we just grew so much that year. And to be honest, Otto was such a difficult baby because of the reflux. And Mm -hmm. so we just dealt with a lot. Um, We matured a lot in that year. 
and we grew a lot in our marriage. Um, and it was when I was 20 weeks pregnant with my second that I just told myself, like, I am, well, I guess it was before that. I was like, this is going to be different. I didn't know how it was going to be different, but I wanted it to be different. And it was at 20 weeks pregnant that I joined um, my first accountability group. And that's when I started the health coaching. You said it is going to be different. What, what is it? It is my pregnancy, me as a mom. It basically is my life. I was really struggling. I also knew after I had my second, I wanted to be home and I didn't want to work the job that I was working. So I basically was just like, this is the line in the sand. I knew that God made me for more than feeling sorry for myself and stewing on all these hardships that I have and that I can move on from this and do something. And heal. Was God putting people in your life to support you at that time? Yes. Yes. I just felt that I started to just recognize things more and just um, even like following accounts that talked about the same things that I had experienced. Um, and the coach that I ended up joining, her name is Molly. Um, she was the one that was sharing her fitness journey and she was doing these workouts from home. And then she was pregnant with her first when I was pregnant with my second. So I saw her working out as a pregnant woman from home. And I thought, oh my goodness, she seems so happy. (laughs) I want that. And so when she invited me to join her group, I was just like, I am in, I am in because whatever I was just doing did not work. It was basically just like, I am willing to try anything right now to not have that happen again. And so I just started to exercise while I was pregnant, which scared me the first time. But I was like, Katie, God made our bodies perfectly to do this. Like he made us to be able to carry babies. So I'm pretty sure back in the day, in the pioneer days, they were out, you know, doing chores. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can do a prenatal workout from home. I'm just like, I just kind of had this moment of like, you are not weak. You are not a fragile little thing that can't do anything while pregnant. Like you, you were made for this. And I just had this confidence as a mom and just in my own body and what I'm capable of. And that was the best pregnancy ever. I gained the least amount of weight. I just enjoyed every minute of it. I had no heartburn, no back pain. It was just, it was awesome. <laughs> because you focused on nutrition. Yes. You focused yep. on moving your Movement body. And okay. mindset. And mindset. mindset. I started listening to podcasts. I started reading books again. I started to journal every single day. I would wake up early just to have some time to myself. I just felt like, like Scott was like, holy cow, Katie. Like it literally went from night and day. I went from just feeling really sorry for myself, just kind of couch potato life to, I just don't want to live this way anymore. And it's like, I just needed that extreme change to just like jolt me into being in healthier habits. Okay. I know Um, it sounds kind of crazy. It's not crazy. I have a girlfriend from high school, Christy Quinn, and she has a very similar story to yours. And she is a beach body or a body coach. Oh, okay. And she, I follow her on Instagram and I will say like one of the things that just through my pregnancies and through my life was that what you just said, waking up early, journaling mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. and just carving out that self-care time Yep. yep. because you weren't taught that right? Your mom had seven children. 
Yeah. Like it's possible to carve out self-care time, but she probably didn't carve out self-care time. Or if she did, you weren't witness to it as the child, Mm -hmm. right? So it's also so important that we have this self-care, but we let our kids see it. And we have that boundary, right? Like for me, mine's the Peloton and they, Mm -hmm. I'll keep the door open. I'm like, come watch mommy work out on the Peloton. I want to, I want you to see me moving my body, but I also want you to know mommy is not going to help you for the next 45 minutes with whatever that you're asking me for, you know, it is so important, but, but Christy is, she was my Molly you know, mm-hmm. to yep. kind of like, it's, and it takes one person. Yes. That's all it takes. Life. Mm-hmm. One person. And Katie, you're that one person for so Aww. many people. Look at the ripples, right? Molly mm-hmm. to you to, and I'm sure Molly's affected lots of people too. Yes. But Molly to Katie. And now imagine all those people affected by Katie mm-hmm. and it just, the ripples just are so magical. So mm-hmm. you are totally agree. pregnant, you get introduced to Molly, you're, you are making positive changes in your life, which impact yeah. everything, taking control over job, taking control yep. over your marriage. Yep. But I also want to know as a doula, like, was there any part of this that where you were like, I need to learn about birth? Like, did you think about birth this time? <laughs> <laughs> um. You want to know I what I thought of? The answer to be yes, but like it can be no. Um, can be like, nope, still didn't. Let's just say that comes in chapter three. Okay. okay chapter three. Um, chapter okay. two was like, I want to wear makeup. Um, I got a photographer. You know, I was kind of all over the place with my uh, priorities. But on the on the way to the hospital, when I and so all of my babies have been spontaneous labor. Like it just kind of happens. With my second, it was 39 weeks, one day. Ooh, so that's when I, much earlier. Yep. And I just remember having this feeling of like, I'm just so tired. And that pregnancy, like towards the end, I just remember laying on the ground and my one-year-old literally running around in circles around me and just being like, I am so tired. Like what is going to happen once this baby's here? (laughs) I just remember on the way to the hospital, I said to Scott, I said, you know what? I think I'm just going to try this without an epidural on the way to the hospital. And he goes, what? And I was like, I'm just going to try it. That was, I was like, you know what? I just like, I had this like feeling of like, I am this like powerful woman and I can do this thing. Like, I just like, I don't even know. Like, it was just like, I was like, I can just freaking do this. And so anyways, we get to the hospital and it was the same kind of story. All my labors are within like 12 hours. Like the moment I start having contractions, it's usually about 12 hours later if this baby comes and my middle is Oli. Okay. And he was born around 7.30. All my babies, I go into labor at night and I have them in the morning. I don't, it's just kind of, I don't know. My body just knows like you're relaxed. You're kind of getting ready to sleep. And now here's a baby coming. Um, and so anyways, during that, they are like, okay, do you want an epidural? And I just said, no, we're going to just rock it out. And um, I remember Scott being like, like he literally went to the doctor. He was like, she needs an epidural. <laughs> Like she needs it because there gets to be a point where you're in a lot of pain and, but it was too late. It was too late. It was too far gone. I just remember in that labor, 
I, um, I just was so tired because I just had no, I, I did not. I mean, you're probably like Heidi, like Katie, what is going on? This is not smart. (laughs) So I I was just so exhausted. (laughs) I do this for a living and I interview people for a living. And I'm thinking I've no one has ever been like, and then on the way to the hospital, I decided to have an unmedicated birth. (laughs) Like, I'm like, who are you? You can do I don't anything. Know. I'm like, you can do anything, Katie. If you I, yes, I I literally said that. I was just like, I can just freaking do this. And so I just remember pushing the baby and I had this moment of looking at my doctor and I said, I can't do this. I said, I cannot do this. I literally had a moment of like, if this is how I'm going to die, Lord, take me now. I am in so much pain. Oh, <laughs> that's called transition of leave. Yep. That means yep. like about to push your baby. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So my doctor said, Katie, I just remember her holding my hand and saying, you can do this because she was the same doctor. I've had the same one for all of my babies. And so she's like, you can do this. And then push baby. I think it was around like 20 minutes um, that I may have been pushing for that one. It felt like an, an, an absolute eternity, um, but baby came. I had a little bit of tearing, um, not, not bad, but I just remember after that one that like with Otto, I just remember I was really able to embrace the fact that there's this baby here and like him being laid on me. I was just felt like this, like just peace after Oli. I felt like, oh, like I was like, it was just so much. Like I was just like sweaty and just like, what just happened? Holy cow. I feel like I just ran like 50,000 marathons. (laughs) Like, I don't even know. Like, I just was like, like, here's your baby. And I'm like, cool, great. Where's some water? Like, I just like, I was just so tired. Like it was just so much. Um, so it was just hilarious. Like just the difference. So anyway, so I will say with an epidural, there's something about that, just not having that, like, I mean, how I experienced epidural, I felt very relaxed. Um, with it. And so when the baby was there, but I'll, I'll get to the third, uh, labor because that, that was the best. I would say, I would say the third was just everything just fell into place. Um, but that, that was my second, my second. And, and as far as the postpartum for it, um, it was very hard because I had this little kid who was not even two and he actually broke his leg when Oli was about two, almost three weeks old. Um, Scott was walking down the stairs with him and he slipped and he kind of had Otto like on his side hip. So like Otto's back leg was, you know, on his back. I don't know if you can picture that. And so he fell on his back and Otto's leg was in between the stairs and Scott's back. And so he broke his leg. So he had a cast. And so I had this whiny toddler who it was just so sad. So I have all these emotions because all of a sudden I have this baby and I can't give all my attention to this other kid. And so, so I got, you know, I had depression and anxiety and all the feelings again, flooding back. But this time Scott said something to me and he said, Katie, I think you need help. And I yelled at him. I said, you don't think I can do this. You think that I'm bad. You don't think I can handle this. And then as soon as I had a moment to just breathe, I said, yeah, I need help. Yeah. And so I reached out to my OB and then she connected me with this doctor and then I talked to her and then I got, I, I ended up going on medication, um, for okay. postpartum anxiety and depression. Was it Zoloft? Yes. Okay, good. Yep. That's one of the most effective, well-studied 
Um, I joke in my doula group, we have like a Zoloft thread, mm-hmm. like all the yeah. people that are on Zoloft. One of the things I wanted to mention to you, which I, I feel like maybe no one's ever mentioned to you. There is actually a real condition called Demer, D-M-E-R. Essentially, it's associated with breastfeeding. When the baby goes to the breast and you have a letdown okay. of milk. So even if it's yes. not breast and you have a letdown of milk. It is an overwhelming feeling of doom and despair for like one minute. Yes. Okay. And then it just kind of like, and then it just sinks, sits there and Mm -hmm. kind of sinks in. But it's like, it's like one minute of like, yes. And that's a Uh real condition, Katie. It's called Deemer. You should Google it. I have a feeling that's what you had. I I would a hundred percent believe that because it is just so tied to, and I get very anxious about if the baby's getting enough and feeding schedules and sleeping schedule. And I just, it just, I turn into a different person. So as soon as I'm done breastfeeding, I'm like, oh, I'm me again. Like, it's just like, I, mm-hmm. and I had someone with my third, they're like, why don't you just keep breastfeeding? And I was like, I cannot, like I made it a year and I just have to say, thank you, Lord, for giving me this time of 12 months. And I need to just move on now. Yeah. Because I just, it's just, it becomes a lot for me. Um, so anyways, but thank you for telling me that I've never heard that. Yeah. It's a lot for a lot of people. Postpartum depression and anxiety, you guys, it is hormonal. It is yes. chemical. Uh-huh. It is not Katie. It, it is hormones. And when our hormones are balanced and our mind and our gut and everything is in sync, then we are better. We are whole. So we can choose to, to go through for a year, two years, mm-hmm. however long, mm-hmm. but I need people to hear you. It is okay to also choose yourself. It is okay mm-hmm. to choose yourself and to not keep going. Mm-hmm. Zoloft is a medication that can help. There are other medications that can help. There are natural things that can help, but sometimes you just need the strong stuff. So now we're going to like zip it on over to the third. Yep. I know we're running out of time here. <laughs> like I want to bring it home. Let's bring it home, Katie. Yes. So yes. um, you get pregnant again. This one took a little bit more. I would say that this, I felt like, oh no, am I not able to get pregnant again? So it was like a little over two years. So I was tracking and actually my sister and I were both kind of trying around the same time. And we ended up being pregnant at the same time. And our babies are a week apart. Oh my goodness. The third baby. So that's when we found out we were pregnant. And then that pregnancy, I was just like, okay, it is time to really take control of this. And so I listened to the hypnobirthing. I just, just started to really think about it, talk to other moms, just visualize how I want this to go. And okay. just, and I was like, oh, I should get a doula. But then I was kind of too late to the game. And I don't know, I was like, there was a lot at the end. Like, I remember the last couple months of my pregnancy, like, oh crap, Katie. Oh, oh my goodness. You wanted to do all these things and you totally did it. So I basically just, you know, did what I could in the amount of time that I had by being distracted by two other tiny children and running a business, you know, all the things. And that was actually when my account started to grow a ton was at the end of my pregnancy. Cause that's when reels had come out. And that's when I started just sharing like funny pregnancy reels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, so that was just a, that was just a fun time in my life, but that hypnobirthing book really helped. It was just like an audio book and mm-hmm. I just listened to it. And then I became like a part of like this hypnobirthing page too. And I just started talking to other moms who, you know, wanted to do it natural and medicated. Okay. Who planted that seed for you? 
about birth? Um, told you about it. It was, it was um, my friend, her name's Carla. And she was in one of my accountability groups and we connected because as I started coaching, I just started to share my story and I really started to connect to other women through that. And she had had a way more traumatic birth than I did with her first. And then she just told me about this hypnobirthing and she told me to start listening to the book and just kind of just encouraged me with it. Like, this is just so helpful. And so, um, so I just felt so much more confident going into my third pregnancy. And I just had this feeling of like, I am a mother, like I am in control of this. Like, yes, I'm in this hospital, but like, I'm ruling the roost here. You know, like I, like, I just, I just had this confidence in my OB. I just love her so much. She, she's just so like sweet to me (laughs) and just like, whatever you want, Katie. Like she was just like, she's like, Katie, she's like, you are a boy mom. You are a rock star. Like you work out. She's like, you can do anything. And like, so she was just always like, like, however you want to do it, I'm here to help with that. So I just appreciated her because she was just very encouraging to me um, through, through it all. So then my third, my, the only thing with my third that I would say was not as good as my others is that I feel like I just wanted to have this baby so badly. Like I just wanted to like have the baby, like, like get this baby out. I just, I was just like embarrassed that it was taking so long. I think like I was almost to 40 weeks and I was like, I had only 39 weeks in one day. Like, why am I still pregnant? Like, I kind of was just like, is this baby going to be in forever? Even though I had done this times, you know, I think I was in like, I don't know if you would call it labor. Is there something before labor where you're kind of getting contractions? labor and it's terribly exhausting. Yeah. And so I was just getting like these contractions and I just, and you know, now we have two kids. And so we were like, okay, can the grandparents take the kids? And, um, and I don't know. And we were trying to do all the things to do, you know, to try to get a baby to come. But they took the kids that night, and we just kind of waited at home because I called the hospital, like, "Hey, I think I'm going to be going into labor." And I think I just really wanted to be into labor. That I was like tricking myself <laughs> to thinking that the pain was worse than it was. And I remember on the way to the hospital, this is how you know that you're not actually in labor. I was like, you know what, Scott? I think just contractions don't really bother me anymore. Cause these aren't really, I'm like, I just feel like I'm just like tougher now or something. And he was like, okay. And I just was not actually having like legit contractions. It was just like, I don't know, pre well, pregame. They were legit contractions. Okay. 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 Yeah. But the difference between prodromal labor and active labor, prodromal labor is when your contractions are kind of all over the place. Yes. Yep. 12 minutes, 15 minutes, six minutes, three minutes, 12 minutes, and they're less than 60 seconds. So oh, okay. yep. 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 40 seconds. And like they hurt, but like not that bad, you know? Yep. Active labor, they are every two to four minutes. They don't waver from that. Yes. They last a long time, 60 to 90 seconds. And their intensity is a little bit higher. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I was doing the prodromal labor, labor, but I had like multiple contractions in a row that were like three minutes apart, you know, four minutes apart, like three minutes apart. And so I was like, oh my goodness, this is happening. And then, and then it would be spaced out. Cause then all of a sudden on our way to the hospital, I was like, Ooh, that one was 10 minutes, you know? So it was just like very random. Um, and so then we got to the hospital And I just kind of felt embarrassed, to be honest, because I was like, oh man, this is my third baby. I should know what's going to happen. But now I'm like, I think I 
got here and I actually am not in labor and now I feel really stupid. Um, and so, so we were there. And so many people have done that a million times over. Yes, exactly. And so I just felt silly, like Katie, oh my goodness, you should know what you're doing. But we stayed and I just like was crossing my fingers. She did check, you know, to see if I was dilated. And I think it was like one and a half. So then I was, you know, pretty embarrassed at that point. Um, But my doctor was, you know, not there, but they called her and they just said, Katie, whenever you are in labor, it goes really fast. So it was really cold. This is in February. It's like negative 20. And this was already at night. And so they're like, you're already here. Let's just keep you overnight. See how it goes. And in the morning we can, we can chat and we can either like induce you. And after listening to the hypnobirthing, I was like, heck to the no, I don't want that. I was like, I'm just going to wait for my body to do its thing. Like it's done its thing the two times. So I don't want to rush this. Like, I don't feel like I need to, you know, if it's a couple of days, I need to wait, I'll wait. Um, but I literally feel like the nurse checking me, like made it like jump into labor or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so she probably I, slept your membranes. So when they go to check you, it releases prostaglandins. So that, yeah, like, I think that, yes. And it just kind of stirs it up. You guys yes. listening at home. I mean, I said I would keep it PG for Katie and her audience. Hey, so okay. an, another way that you could do that if you were not in the hospital is by um, having P and V or some sort of penetrative things. Mm-hmm. Is that as PG yep. as I can get, Katie? That was pretty PG. I appreciate that. We tried that. I mean, like we were doing all the things, but apparently it was just the nurse had to, t- <laughs> the nurse got it going. Okay. Yeah. Um, leave it to the experts sometimes. Yeah. So anyway, so, so then my contractions did start and I was like, oh my goodness, this is a lot. And it just came all back to me. I was like, oh, ha 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 here, silly me. I thought I was like immune to contractions with my third baby. No, these hurt so bad. But with my other, with my second, I didn't even have time to like go sit in the bath because it just happened so fast with Oli. Um, but with my, um, with my third, I did have the time to like go into the tub and just kind of sit and soak. And I labored the most in the tub, but in the hospital that we are at, you cannot give birth in the bathtub. Or in the big jacuzzi thing that they have there in the middle of the room, but you can labor in there. So it's like, once you're past like a certain point of dilation, they do not want you laboring in there. So that was the best probably. But when I got out of the tub, I kind of was going a little hysterical um, with the pain. And so I just remember standing up here. I am like, it was the best labor, but it really just felt like the best, like, and I'll get to the best part. Um, but I just felt a little hysterical from the pain. And so I remember just like standing up and just being like, Oh, like, cause all of a sudden a contraction went and they were so intense and so long. And I just would like poor Scott in his arm. I just squeezed his arm. Like literally in my mind, I'm just like, I want you to feel this pain. Like, I want you to feel this in your arm. Like I am going to squeeze with all my might and you will, I want to break some skin. Like I just turned into like <laughs> an evil person. I'm just like, you are going to feel this because it's so much pain. Um, but it really just started to amp up and my doctor wasn't there yet because now it was like early morning. So we got there probably it was closer to midnight the night before. Yeah. Um, and then, and then it really started to kick up around two, four, AM. And I think I had Nels like 
six thirty, I think, um, okay. in the morning. I got to look back. I have all their like announcements on social media, so I could just go back and look at the time. <laughs> I should have done that before this. But no, but I mean, you roughly have a time in which you go into your birthing time. Yes. And you roughly have a gestational length or a labor length. And I'm going to say you have a gestational age. Okay. Because Katie, yeah. I want to go all the way back to um, your first pregnancy and they, your dates were off. If you had two okay. babies at, in your 39th week and then that one at 40 and five, I'm like, no, no, no. They were a week mm-hmm. off. And that's why yep. you were measuring small. Right. Yep. yep. I think so too. Were all your babies seven and a half pounds? Um, the last two were eight, three, eight, three. And then mm-hmm. that, that for no. And then your first one, what they thought was 41 weeks at seven. No, yep. all I was going to say that dating was off. Just, yeah, I think so too. You know, absolutely. So I think that you have your gestational age in the 39th week and you have your weight, you know, seven to eight pound babies, you know, and you have your length of labor, 12-ish hours, and you start at night and you yep. give birth in the morning. Yep. I mean, that's just what your body does. So if you, yep. like you said, you and Scott want to have a big family. So when you're on four, five, six, seven, I don't know how many you're going to, <laughs> they're probably, probably we'll just going to get a little shorter and shorter. That 8 a.m. Yep. turned into 6 a.m. We'll turn yep. it to 4 Yes, they did. Exactly. Yeah. It was like 8, 7, 6. Yeah. That's exactly how it was. Oh, the nurse checked me and she was like, oh, you are like ready to go. Cause I was just like, I was in pain and they did give me something. Um, it was something to just kind of relax you. It was not an epidural, but I was kind of becoming a little hysterical. So they were just like, okay, this will just like take the edge off is what they said. I don't know if you know what even that is. I can't even remember. So it's likely one of two things. Okay. Most likely it was a drug called Vistaril. Vistaril is a form of an antihistamine like Benadryl, but it has anti-anxiety properties. So it kind of calms and relaxes okay. the system. There is another medication called Stadol. It's an IV narcotic. However, that would very rarely ever be used that far along in labor. Okay. So okay. that would be used if you were like two or three centimeters dilated early in labor and you're having lots of pain or anxiety, but it the IV pain medications do go directly to the baby. So they wouldn't want a baby to be born right after getting narcotics, you know, because then they come out kind of floppy essentially. So I guess that I'm going to guess that you had a medication called Vistaril and um, that is an essentially an antihistamine, (laughs) but it brings you down. I don't know. But whatever it was, because I remember the nurse being like, because I just, it, it was just like, I don't know. It just be, which I think, you know, is when you're just really getting ready to have this baby. So yeah. then she checked me and she was like, Oh, you're ready to go. And then the doctor ended up coming. Cause they had called her. Like she is, you know, getting very close. Um, cause I think my doctor wasn't going to be there till like seven, seven thirty. And so she comes in the room and she was like, Katie, you ready to do this thing? Which, you know, is so funny how Ovi, they're just like walking in the room, like here, you know, it's just so funny. And so I was like, yes. And then she asked me, Katie, how do you, how do you want to like have this baby? Like, do you want to be, you know, like laying down or like, how do you? And I said, I want, I was like, can I just be on my knees? <laughs> so, so I was on the knee, on my knees, prayer position. Something I should say is my water um, always has to be broken by the them it never breaks on its own um but with with my third it it, it was not broke yet so many things happened at once okay um 
I, so I was on my prayer position on my knees um, and I was just like leaning on Scott and, and I was just ready to push this baby out. Like I just had this feeling of like, I am a strong woman who is just gonna like, they did that this back in the day. I can do this too. And so with like the first push, I think my water broke. I, I think I, I think I pooped. <laughs> I think I pooped. <laughs> so all of a sudden it was just like, I remember just saying, sorry, sorry, because all of a sudden like water was everywhere. And you know, there's just nurses around. They're just like the best people ever cleaning up everything. And then all of a sudden I'm pushing and I feel myself like pooping. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. And it was just like, my body was like, release everything now. And then the baby came another push baby came. So it was two pushes baby was out and oh, they handed so me good. Nels. Yes. And they handed me Nels. And I just had this feeling. It was just the best feeling in the entire world. And I just held him. And I just was so proud of myself of what just happened and just everything just came and just being able to see him. And like, I don't know, I want to like brag about my own kids, but like, he's just the cutest little thing. And and it was just so worth it. And I remember the nurses like asking me questions like, oh, you know, should we wash him up or should we do this? And I was like, I just want to hold him. And I was like, I just want to nurse him and I just want to hold him and I don't want to let him go. Like I just, so I literally just laid in a pile of blood and water <laughs> and poop. I mean, they cleaned up the poop and everything, but I was just like, I was just so happy and it was the best. And I remember telling them like, can you dim the lights? And I just like held him. And, and they gave me that space. And I so appreciated that because I remember the nurse came and she like, the other nurse had had to go. And so it was a new nurse and she's like, Hey, and she was like super loud. I mean, she was really sweet, but I was just like, she's like, can I get you anything? And I was like, honestly, I just want to sit here with him and I just want to be alone. And she was like, awesome. And then she just left. And so I was just able to nurse him. I literally just like nursed him for like an hour. Like I just like sat there and I was just so happy. And I remember Scott fell asleep. Um, and so he was sleeping and I just was so happy. Just like all these feelings are just like, Hey, you freaking did it. Like you did it again. And you have this baby. And then after that, then Scott held him. And then I just went and I sat in the bath again and I washed off everything. And I felt so good afterwards. I felt so good. That, that jacuzzi tub sounds amazing when it's negative yes. 20 degrees outside. Oh yes. Yes, completely. I I let my Minnesota accent come out there. (laughs) I know it's amazing. Well, I will say the thing that I'm hearing in your story at the end is typical of a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time mom. Mm -hmm. And that is, there is such an acute awareness of how precious and fast Mm -hmm. that, that bond, that afterbirth bond goes away because you just left a four-year-old and a two-year-old mm-hmm. to go birth nails that were practicing and exhibiting their independence, yep. you know, from you. And so we have this like sacred time with our babies mm-hmm. and then they start to crawl and then they start to stand yep. up and then they start to walk and they, they get a little bit further and a little bit further. And so like, when we have that, just like that, such that special time, that mm-hmm. first moments that first year, you know, it's, I think it hits us harder on Mm -hmm. subsequent births because we're, we are watching the bigs get bigger. Yep. And we're like, 
just stay here for as long as yeah. you can, you know? And um, yes. Oh, it's so true. And you just have this feeling of like, you need me and I need you. And like, we're in this together, you know, and like, they're just so precious and warm and you just hold them so tight. Katie, as you told your story, you grew in your power. Like mm-hmm. I was watching it unfold. When you first <laughs> started to tell your story, mm-hmm. you collapsed into a 21 yeah. year old scared new mom. Mm-hmm. And you started sharing your story like that. And you mm-hmm. just grew in your power and in your joy and in your life. As you told each story, you could just mm-hmm. feel you, you shifted even just changing from one story to the next story to the next story. Yeah. The whole audience right now listening, we can feel that shift in you and it inspires us that even if we're in the thick of it, if even our story is your first story, that there can be another story. There can be, and you just need to pay attention to who God is putting in your life. Yes. That one person. And all you have to do sometimes is just say, sure. Yeah. I'll listen. Yeah. And that one connection can turn into like this crazy jolt of life-changing things, what you do every day on Instagram, on TikTok, Mm -hmm. and your online coaching business is making sure that the people that are in your circle, they have story number two and number three. They have number three. They have Nelson. And Mm -hmm. so keep sharing about your birth and keep sharing about your journey and your power and motherhood. And I am so proud of you. And it was a pleasure to interview you today. Thank you. Heidi. You're welcome. Well, it has truly been an honor. I know everyone is dying to there. They were listening and now they're like, okay, you gotta (laughs) remember to write down the Instagram and the TikTok. Okay. So it's Katie.facet, K-A-T-Y dot F-S-S-E-T-T. Okay. Yep. Like Bassett, but with an F and like Katy Perry. Oh, there you go. I like it. (laughs) So everybody, if you are not already following Katie, go follow Katie. And while you're at it, can you follow birth.story.academy? Yes. (laughs) We were just laughing. We've got (laughs) 200,000 of you listening to this podcast every single week. And like five of you are following the Instagram. Yes. Go show her some love on the Insta. Come on over and follow birth.story.academy and follow katie.facet. And we hope you guys have a blessed and wonderful week. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like. 